Now, today, I want to talk to you uh, with one thought in mind. I, I'm going to share this message with you today, knowing that this is next to the last message that I will share as your pastor. I prayed earnestly, thought diligently, Lord, what would you have me say today? Next week, we're going to have O.S. Hawkins here, dear lifetime friend, head of Guidestone. They're the ones that take care of the ministers uh, through the annuity program that we've had for years and years. And O.S. is going to come and make an announcement here to you and tell you one of the uniquest things about Sagemont Church, and I'll hold back and let him tell you why he's coming. He'll also have an opportunity to speak with our pastor search team. There's no one I'd have more confidence with of sharing truth than O.S. Hawkins, tremendous author. His books have literally sold by the millions, and every penny has been given away to help retired, worn-out preachers. And you're going to love him. And I don't want you to miss. And then the following Sunday, I will bring my last message as, as your pastor, but not as your brother in Christ, not as your fellow minister, uh, because when God closes doors, he opens doors, and we don't know what another day is going to bring, but I know one thing, that he's alive, and I know that he's willing to lead us wherever he wants to lead us, and that he will prepare us for whatever that is. So in thinking about the gospel and what I should say today, this may be the simplest message you ever heard me bring. I hope so. But I hope it's effective. I'm going to speak to you today on knowing that you know that you're saved. Now that's too simple for a lot of preachers. But I'm here to tell you that without salvation, there is no future. If we do not understand the basics, not the great new truths after thousands of years, somebody comes up and says, I found this new interpretation of the Scripture. And let me tell you what the Holy Spirit told me in the middle of the night when they might should have taken a pill and gone back to sleep <laughs> because they moved away from the reason that God sent his only begotten son to the world, the word became flesh and dwelt among us in order that every living human being could have an opportunity to follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen. Missions is the ministry of a church. It's not to make us feel better. It's not to let us meet uh, new friends. That can all happen, but the church is here to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ in any way and every way that we can. You can be the best person of your graduating class in grammar school, junior high, high school, or college. But if you do not understand and know that one day you were a sinner, lost, dying in sin, and Jesus came into your life. And when he came into your life, he bought you with his blood. He came to this earth in order that we could get the gospel to the world before Jesus comes back again. Now today, my heart is with those of you that have heard me preach for 
a few years or a whole lot of years. I want you to listen very carefully today because the fear that I have when going into eternity would be to look into the faces of those that I've looked into the faces of from this pulpit for over a half a century and you not be there. And your excuse would be, well, I never heard that before. I mean, I, I, would, I would love to, you know, you just made me feel so good when I came. I just enjoyed everything. I met new friends. I influenced people and all. That's not what the gospel is. The good news is, the bad news is that all have sinned. The good news is that Jesus loves sinners. And some of us, because we've gone to church long enough, believe we're good enough that we don't need a salvation by grace. We'll put our giving record, our attendance record, our Bible study record, our record up against everybody else and say, just compare me to everybody else. That's not the way it's going to work. Amen. You and I will be prepared. We will be, stand before the Father, and the comparison will be Jesus and us. And if you're not like Jesus, then you need to be born again. And I want to talk to you about that. You say, I've heard that all my life. That's wonderful. I'm going to tell you one more time. Because, see, a lot of you have heard it, but you're still lost. If Jesus comes today, you're not ready. You've been a good person. You've made your contributions to society. You served in the military. You may even be a preacher or a staff member. But never has there been a time in your life when you came to grips with the fact, unless a man is born again, he will in no wise enter the kingdom of God. So my heart is a heart of love. To you, that I make sure that I am a stepping stone, not a stumbling block. That you do not come today knowing that there's never really been a time when you knew that you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, forgive you of your sin, and save you. My years, when I was seven years old, for more than 62 years, I have preached the scriptures and taught the Bible. Wonderful. But you know what happened that made the difference? As a little child, I realized that Jesus loved me and had a plan for my life, but I had to get saved first. There's a lot of spiritual people that do good stuff. They just hadn't been saved. I tell you, there's people that hadn't been saved, and they do a lot of good stuff. But today's message is knowing that you know that if Jesus comes today... Or if you die today, and I will tell you the phones have been ringing a lot recently, and people are leaving this world and going to be with the Lord, and so I hope you will listen to the Scripture today as I try to share it with you. I want to read to you in 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This then is a message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, 
He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. From 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Here's my question after you heard that scriptures, those scriptures. Can a person really know if your sins have been forgiven and that you're a child of God? That's the question. Can you know? that you have eternal life? Do you know that there was a day when the darkness became light? When repentance, when you were walking this way and God spoke into your life and you did an about face, that's repentance, and started walking this. Has that ever happened to you? Can you even focus on that one thing except you repent? You will no wise enter the kingdom of God. As we look at the scripture, it flows out. I could, for well over an hour, just read you text. I'm not going to do that, but I do have several I want you to hear. 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life, and you may believe on the name of God of the Son of God. Now, the Scripture is clear, right? We get it. I didn't say you to believe it or going to practice it, but you understand it. Let me tell you again, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I'll give you seven things, one real quickly. Number one, a person that is born again knows and is aware of right and wrong. You hear me? Are you waving? I don't know if it's okay. I think under some circumstances it's all right. You know, I don't really have a conviction about that. Is that your lifestyle? Well, I think moderation is okay. I mean, goodness, no, I wouldn't do like, oh, so-and-so. God help them, you know. My, my point to you is, do you, have an, do you know right from wrong? You, you, you know, say, well, I, I try to teach my five-year-old right from wrong. Do you know right from wrong? If you're saved, you do. If it's sin, God will tell you it's sin. Nobody that's saved enjoys sinning. You say, well, preacher, you just hadn't tried the right sin. No, no, I would know. And you know, you know. 1 John 1.10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. If we get with each other and argue about how we're doing based on everybody else in the Sunday school class, everybody else that works at the job, everybody else that's a neighbor, everybody else in the family, if you're living in that world, please hear what I'm saying to you this morning. You need to block that out. Forget those things which lie in the past and press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Again, 1 John 1.10 says, if we say that we've not sinned, we make him a liar and the truth. It's not in us. Now, here's some of the warning signs. What we say. What is our vocabulary made out of? 
How many times have you seen people come to church? Every single Sunday. And on Monday, they're damning God's name on the job. I lived out there for three years in some of the plants along the ship channel. And I went up and witnessed to a man that was the foulest talking man I ever heard at that time in my life. I've heard some worse since. And I witnessed to him with all the boldness that I could have as, as a teenager with love. And he informed me that he was chairman of the deacons of a Baptist church in Houston, Texas. I'm telling you, folks, your sins find you out. I want you to understand your mouth gives you away. Bitterness, hate. You'd rather get in a political argument than anything you know of. I mean, that's your big deal. You, you just like to, you get an argument over a ball game. I love ball. I want one to win that I want to win. If they don't win, I take a baby aspirin and go to bed. <laughs> you know, I found my hat. It says, world champion Astros, 19, uh, 2017. That's the one I'm wearing now. It's two years old. <laughs> and everybody thinks we won. They didn't go to the ball game. But you know, folks, what we say is what we think. How do you think? How, how easy is it for sin to come into your mind, temptation to come into your mind, wondering, should I or shouldn't I? Can I do this and get away with it? Or will my wife find it out? Will my mom and dad find it out? Will somebody at church see me there? Do you live in that kind of a world? Oh, how you th what you say, how you think. And let me just say the third one is what you do. What you do. Why do you go where you go? Why do you do what you do? Why do you find yourself very comfortable? In moderation, of course, in all sin, it's got to be moderation. You say, I can get baptized, pray the prayer, get baptized and live in moderation and be pretty happy. No, you can't. No, you can't. A saved born-again person will hate sin, but they will love sinners. Amen. You love a sinner enough that you know has never been saved that you're going to do everything you can to get that sinner saved because you want to be in heaven with them. Yes. We're going to have an opportunity to be together forever and forever and forever and forever. Right. But a lost person A lost person will love sin, but they don't love sinners. They just live in sin with a fellow sinner. Well, a born-again person will love the things of God, nature. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. You see that sunrise this morning? It was awesome. Don't you like to just be driving? Look at look there. Look on your phone when you get home how many pictures you've made of this, that, the cross out here. Last week we had the cross in the sky as well as the other one. Thank you all for sending those beautiful pictures just like a reflection of the heavens of our cross out here. But you know, when you love God, you love the outdoors. I don't know if I was raised in downtown Chicago, I'm not sure what I'd believe. But I live in Texas. And I have been to Colorado. And I've been to... The, the places of the world where God made it and man hadn't had a chance to tear it up. And I love it. I love it. 
You love people. You love people to really know or they're going to be in heaven with you. Do you really know them well enough to know that they know the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm tempted to do this, but I will not do it. But I can see about eight people right here on the first four rows that I was with you when you got saved. It stuck. For half a century, it stuck. Why? Because Jesus came into the life. See, anytime you get Jesus, you're going to say that what you had was junk. If what you get is religion, you're going to find religion gets so bad, it's just as bad as it was before you ever got saved. But when you're born again, great things happen. You'll love, just, I mean, you will just love. You will love people. You will be tickled to death when they are one car ahead of you and you let them in. <laughs> 25 years you avoided that. You kept them out, kept them out. I don't know who you think you are, you know. I'm late to work. You know what, so are they. But all of a sudden, you can just say, help yourself. I am just rejoicing in the Lord. I love you regardless. And maybe this is the hardest one. If you're saved, you can forgive. Some of you are on medications because you can't forgive. Some of you cannot go to bed at night because you can't forgive. Listen, friend, get saved and you'll forgive. The blood of Christ will take care of all that stuff. You don't have to take care of the situation. If they're guilty and you're right, God can take care of the discipline of his kids. Not you. Not you and all your friends that you tell them on the computer or Facebook or call them on the phone or tell them, man, did you hear about so-and-so? No. And if somebody asks you that, say no, and I don't want to hear about them. Unless it's good. Maybe like they got saved recently. In 1 John 5, 19, it says, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies in wickedness. We're all born in wickedness. We have to come out of that wickedness. And the only way we can come out is to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Romans 7, 18, For I know that in me dwells no good things. You ever been around people that just are legends in their own mind? I mean, when you get around that kind of person, they kind of irritate you. But whenever we get to that point and understand these sinners out there, I once was. Once I was saved, I mean, once I was lost, and now I'm saved. Once I felt the same way, I can, I can weep with you. I can, I can think with you. I understand because I've been there. But one day, the veil was torn off. One day, I began to see the light instead of stumbling around in the darkness. And my life completely changed. All the time that we are in this book, and this is my second point, there is a hunger for God's Word to know more about what God has to say. You want to know what the Bible says. You don't put it aside and say, well, I can't understand it. The Holy Spirit, if you're saved, will help you understand it. Now, everybody doesn't come to the same interpretation because the Holy Spirit has the freedom to let that Scripture say what it needs to say to you. But it'll stand the test of it being inspired and errant and infallible. Go to the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16. Your words were found, and I did eat them. Your word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. 
for I am called by your name. And in John chapter 12, verses 47 and 48, if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and receives my word has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last days. The judge is yet to be met. I cannot be your judge, nor can anyone else. But I know the one that will be, mine and yours. John 12, 47 and 48, if any man hear my words, believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world and to save the world, but to save the world. But he that rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. This word that I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last days. Hold on to that. Read it again when you get home. Then read it before you go to bed tonight. John chapter 6, verse 68, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. John 8, 47, he that is of God hears God's words. If you know God, you begin to understand the Bible. You cannot understand the Bible till you know the author of the Bible. Amen. You got to know how he thinks. You know where he stands on the major things. You know that he would never say whatever somebody's trying to interpret to say something totally different from what the writer intended. Number three, there is a desire for a changed life if you've been born again. The Bible tells us that when we get saved and we repent and we start another direction, when that happens, we begin to live a life like we've never lived before. Many of you are sitting here right now. 30 years ago, you left the world and followed Jesus. You heard the gospel, either here or somewhere else. You gave your heart to Christ, and the old things were put aside, and a new world opened up to you. And anything that you felt like you gave up one friend, God gave you many friends that really care about you. And you today are here because years ago somebody cared for you. All of us, all of us will have a changed life when we're born again or when we're saved. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are new. 1 John 4, 13, hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us his Holy Spirit. Now, do you get the clue here? That Holy Spirit is what just bugs you. Because whenever you know God and he lives in your life and you go somewhere and do what you know that you should not be doing, that conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. And says, get me out of this darkness. Get me out of this situation. I don't want this old life anymore. I've had enough of that. I don't want that at all. Not my will, Father, but thine be done. That's what we want. Not what I want for me, but what does God want for me? Can you ask yourself that question this morning? What does God want you to do? Many of you have asked me, oh, preacher, what are you going to do? I'll tell you, whatever he wants me to do. And when I ask you that question, you, ask, you answer the same way, whatever God wants me to do. Wherever he leads, I'm going to go. This is the first day of the rest of my life. So we're going to move on. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. They're not. They're good. They're good. 
Thank the Lord when you, if you grew up with, with a family, parents that watched out for you. They didn't let you play in the street. If a hundred kids were in the street, you did not pray in the street. Maybe one time you played in the street. That's another subject for a later date. But when daddy got home, you decided after a little counsel with him, you would not play in the street anymore. Well, you see, God has a way through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit of communicating with us. He shows us the way. He says, I'll go with you. When I'm with you, no weapon is formed against you is going to prosper because this is inheritance of the children of God. And I will take it, and I will go with it, and wherever the Lord leads, I will go. Number four, if you're saved today, your faith has been tested many times. The devil doesn't mess with people that he's got them won over. They say they're going to think this way all their life. They're going to do what they do. That's just who they are. Everybody knows them. Well, that's just the way he is. That's just the way she is. No need me telling anything about that. You know what? God knows those things. He knows who wants to change and who is just talking the talk but has no desire to walk the walk. In 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's us, folks. That's us. Well, I just don't understand why God did this, why I did that. I don't either. I don't either. I've been in at least five situations in the last 20 days of that why, 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 why. I don't know why. But I know God is too good to commit a wrong, and he's too wise to make a mistake. I know that this is just the beginning part of an eternal life, and I have to let go and let God. Sometimes when God, uh, when you're around some, someone and they're dealing with these things that I'm talking about this morning, it begins to get on your nerves. We have those others that have left their first love. I can remember people 25, 30 years ago, every time the doors of this church were, were open, they were here. And some of them are still alive. And somewhere along the way, they tripped and fell, and they've never gotten back up again. That breaks the heart of God. God's willing to take you as you are, where you are, whatever part of the journey you're in, and make you whole. But number five, if you're saved, not only are you going to love the lost, you're going to love other Christians. If you ever read the business meeting notes of the average church and read them over about a 20-year period of time, you'd see you couldn't have a better fight in some towns. You couldn't see a better fight than you could see in a church business meeting on a Wednesday night. I mean, lots of people come in there and they'd, they'd get their purse or billfold and be out the door by the time the second motion had been made. So I don't know what's in here, but I'm leaving this place. It's certainly not the Spirit of the Lord. The thing that has made Sagemont so effective through the years is the unity of this body. We love the Word. We love the Lord. We know Jesus saves. We know everybody matters. Red and white, uh, red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in God's sight. Those are not issues. The issue is, what are you going to do with me, Lord? Are you going to bless me so I can be a blessing to others? Whether it's money, whether it's Bible study knowledge, whether it's an experience that you've had, if, if it's just love and care and compassion that you have. There's over 200 adults right now, as I'm speaking to you, volunteering their time to work with hundreds of children over here in the children's building, 
which is bigger than this building. You say, not me. <laughs> well, I can understand that, but thank God they're those that are there right now, and you will not get a bill. You don't have to have insurance. They're doing it because they want to do it. This yard looks beautiful out here every time you drive up because there's a group here every Saturday morning, a different group doing that kind of thing. When you walk with God, it's easy to do those things, to serve, to give, to love on people, to forgive other people. But when you don't, you become torn between two opinions, and whether you're here or here, it's just like this and just like that. And the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. When you're saved, you will enjoy the fellowship of other Christians. Do you hear me? You will love other Christians. They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. No, they're not perfect, and you're not perfect, but he is perfect, and he loves us all. There's another thing. People say, I don't go to church, but I'm a Christian. I think when you're a Christian, you want to be around other believers. And where you ought to be finding them is at the church. And I still think we're running in first place, but we just stagger every once in a while. But we have to come to that point in our life as a child of God, where are we going to spend the rest of our life? With the people of God. And by the way, when you are with the people of God, those people are wanting to get the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth. Way more than 50% of our churches do not give one nickel for something away from where they're located. That's not the biblical church. The biblical church is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost part of the earth. That's called missions. But if you're saved... When a Christian brother or sister hurts, you hurt. As the Facebooks go out and as the telephone calls and the visits go out, we all on our staff, we get together in different groups. In the morning, we'll be meeting over here in the, in the little chapel out here on the West Wing. You're invited to come. And we just pray for what we learned today about people that need prayer. We'll talk about prayer. And we'll talk about the things of God. And you'll have an opportunity to do that. But that's what Christians are supposed to do, fellowship with other Christians. Bring your burden, get together, and share one with another. Number six, if you're a born-again Christian, there's a desire to serve the Lord out of love and not out of duty. This choir is not a paid choir, but they love the Lord, they love music, and they love us. And you come up here on Wednesday night, the parking lot won't be very full. The cards you see there will be the orchestra or the choir. They'll be practicing, getting ready to bless us on Sunday morning. That's what it's all about. Giving what God has given to us. And before you comment, in Psalm 100 verse 3, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. Re rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Serve the Lord with gladness. You say, well, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not that kind of person. I, uh, well, God can use a grouch, all right? <laughs> there are just certain things that you are good at, that if you're a grouch, we can put you in that position as long as you're doing it because you love the Lord. 
and you think it's a spiritual gift, as long as you stay away from everybody else, then it'll be all right. But the main thing is, folks, others, 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 others. For God so loved thee that he gave his in order that whosoever, right? That's the kind of God we have. God sent his only son, his only son. I think there were times in American history when if you're only child that the military, that was, uh, that you did not, uh, you were not drafted into the military if you're only child. I think there was those kind of laws. I don't know, but the point was, the thought was, but you have just one son, you know, or one daughter now. God only had one son. His name was Jesus. He sent his only son, and he could have taken him and knocked the Roman army flat and brought him back to heaven, but he didn't. You know why he didn't? Because of us. We needed him. He didn't have Medicare. He didn't have Medicaid. He didn't have the medical center of Houston. He did not have the greatest doctors in the world, but he's a great physician. He can not only heal the sick, he can raise the dead. And he will raise the dead one day. And when we do, the question is going to be, are you a child of God? Have you been born again? Have you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life? That will be the question. In John 12, 26, it says, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. So beautifully written, again, by the beloved John. Just do this. Just trust the scriptures. Just put the past behind and say, I'm going to follow him. The book of Romans, 7th chapter, verse 6, we should serve in a newness of spirit. And I can assure you, when Jesus comes into your life, your spirit will be more like his. When he is in here, what comes out of here, what we see, what we hear, what we say, where we walk, what we touch, it's all affected by him because Christ in us is the hope of glory. The best question you could ever answer in any situation is, what would Jesus do? The last thing. If you're a born-again Christian, if Jesus Christ lives in your life, here it is. There will be a desire on your part to tell other people about Jesus. You can't be full of Jesus and not tell anybody. I mean, we'll talk about a cough, a cold, a cold hamburger, a ball game. Let me tell you something. When Jesus comes in, you're going to tell people. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The world is deafened by Satan. The music is loud where you can't hear. And the scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. If you can put your head on your pillow tonight, if you, only, if you only know one scripture, if it's Jesus wept, shortest scripture in the Bible, if it's John 3, 16, lay down, shut your eyes, and just quote that scripture to the Lord. Out loud, 
are just verbal from mind to mind and heart to heart. For God so loved the world, any scripture, by grace are you saved through faith, whatever you want to say, and watch how good a night's sleep you're going to get. If you know Jesus, you want to tell others. Anything good happened to you this week, you're going to be telling others. Today, at Bible study class, out in the hallway, at the restaurant, wherever you go, that's good. That's good. But if Jesus comes in your life today, you'll want everybody to know it. In Romans 10, 11, the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. 1 Peter 3, 15, be, always, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. And Acts 1, 8 says, you shall be my witnesses. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and what? And lo, I will be with you always, even until the end of the journey. Do you know him? Has the message been clear enough to say, no, I don't, but I'd like to. Now, what should I do? When we close this service in just a few moments, before you step in a car, drive off this parking lot, we have a beautiful lobby back here, right in the center of this building, where there are people waiting to talk to you for just a few moments and pray with you and get this thing settled. All you have to say is say, I want to nail it down today that I know that I know that if I die, I'm going to be with the Lord the next second. And if I live, Christ will live in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I'm going to live it by the power of God. Some people don't believe in you. I hope you believe in you. But if both of those is negative, let me tell you who does. God believes in you. He knows there's power in the blood. He knows that God's grace is sufficient. He knows that Jesus loves you and died for you. He settles it. Not the pastor, not the priest, not the rabbi, not the friend, not the neighbor, not the hunting partner, the fiction partner, the shopping buddy, or whatever. No. He knows. And when you get down to the bottom of it, it's between you and the Father. The Father says, here's my son. What are you going to do? So as we sing our benediction, I want you to prayerfully think. Hardest thing probably you've ever been asked to do, especially if you've been around a long time. But if you just have the power and strength of God this morning to go back and share with one person, I want to nail it down right here. And I promise you they're prepared to hear you, to counsel you with some, some ideas, share with you that which they have been taught. So I want you to do it. But that's strictly up to you.